I have thought about how horrible it would be if all of a sudden, in the middle of an NFL football game, someone put me in at quarterback. Uh, that, that has been kind of a fear of mine. I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, but you never know. It, w- it would honestly be a nightmare because I would be lost, and if you put me in, I don't know the playbook. I don't know where to stand right. I mean, I know a little bit about quarterback, but that, that would really be pressure on me, and uh, I would absolutely cause some serious problems on the field if, if I was running the show, so I hope that it never happens. But I bet that that's how some people feel in their marriage. Uh, They know a little bit about marriage, a little bit about how it should run, but they don't really know what to do, and it becomes intimidating, it becomes overwhelming, and marriage can be wonderful if husband and wife know their role, how to do it, and how they complement each other. Now, I'm impressed with NASCAR pit crews and what they what these guys can do now you don't really have to be into nascar in order to to appreciate what these guys do but they can change four tires and refuel a car in less than 12 seconds that's 20 lug nuts off four tires off four new tires on 20 lug nuts on 24 gallons of gas dumped into the tank all in less than 12 seconds that's impressive how well they know what needs to be done They know their role, and they know how they complement each other. Greg Morin, who's a pit crew coach, said this, It is safe to say that if you don't have a well-performing pit crew that does execute well on pit road, you're going to affect the overall outcome of the race in a potentially hugely negative manner. And he's right. Just six guys over the wall, front tire changer, front tire carrier, jack man, rear tire changer, rear tire carrier, and fueler. Everyone has a role. It's different. It's unique. And it's essential. They work together as a team. Uh, Greg Morin said this, they have the team mentality, but they're also able to block everything out and focus on their specific task at hand. That is absolutely crucial in a marriage as well. Husband and wife are a team. In fact, God's word says that they are one flesh, and they need to focus on what God calls them to do. They have different roles, and those different roles complement each other. And things absolutely will break down if either one fails to complete their role. So what I'm going to tell you today and next week is completely countercultural because, honestly, God is countercultural. I'm going to give you the biblical view, and I ask that you consider it according to the Scripture. The past three weeks, we've looked at the purpose, problem, and power of marriage, and today and next week, we're going to look into the performance of marriage, of what God calls husband and wife to do, beginning today with you, husband. All right, now, tomorrow is opening day of buck season, as I understand. Am I right on that? So we have some guys that are not here. So wives, if your man is not here today, I ask you to please consider Having your husband listen to this message, encourage him. I think it will really challenge him, and I think it will really help him and you. So, husbands, my goal today is to help you understand your role. 
so that you can be a great husband for the glory of God and the joy of your marriage. This is meant to challenge you. It's meant to equip you and encourage you. So let's begin here. Your wife is God's good gift to you. Your wife is God's good gift to you. Men, you'll do much, much good if you, as a husband, if you are truly and sincerely grateful to God for your wife and treat her as the precious gift that she is uh, to you. God has blessed you with a wife. The more you treat her as God's gift, the better off you are. Thankfulness for your wife can greatly increase and enrich joy, increase the joy of your marriage, enrich your marriage, and protect you really against completely destroying your marriage. Exodus 20, verse 17 warns, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. How many husbands lose their precious wife because they selfishly and lustfully desired some other guy's wife? You see, at the heart of covetousness is unbelief and ingratitude. One of the best defenses against desiring another woman is gratitude for the wife that God gave you. Men, are you grateful for your wife? To God, do you thank him for her? She's not perfect, but she's yours. A gift, a precious gift. And if you treasure her, then I think she's going to be a greater blessing to you. Listen to Proverbs 18, 22. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 19, verse 14 says, a prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs 31, 10 says, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Do you see your wife as God's good gift to you? Do you treasure her? Does she know that you treasure her? How would she know that you treasure her? Ingratitude weakens marriages. God said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God gave you a wife. Be thankful for her. Thank God for your wife in front of your wife. Husband, your gratitude is powerful in the life of your wife. Let's go to Ephesians 5. God made you, husband, God made you the Christ-like head of your wife. Wives, don't riot. Stay in your seat. There is next week, and there's this week, so you got to listen through. Here's what God says in the Bible. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior, Ephesians 5.23. God said that. God is countercultural. He created marriage, and he knows what works in marriage. So notice three things. Number one, the husband is the head. Number two, the husband is the head of his wife, not everybody else's wife and not all women. Number three, the husband is the head of his wife like Jesus is the head of the church. Male headship cannot be detached from the person and work of Jesus Christ. When you understand who Jesus is 
and what Jesus has done for his bride, the church, then you can begin to understand what male headship in marriage is all about. Without Jesus, without the gospel, you will flat out distort what male headship looks like in one way or another. You see, male headship in marriage is a cultural abomination. Men and women often hate the idea. They kick against it, yet it's so frequently misunderstood. So here are a few reasons male headship in marriage is so badmouthed in our culture, and I think you'll identify with these. Women are often considered unequal, wrongfully. Many times they're oppressed, and sometimes they're abused. Male chauvinism and feminism have been culturally acceptable. Masculinity and femininity are grossly misunderstood. Many men have just flat out been terrible leaders. Submission has somewhere along the line become a bad word. It might be good for laws. It might be good for the military. It might be good for sports teams. It might be good for businesses. But for wives, no. The real Jesus is not respected or considered someone to emulate. Jesus submitted to his heavenly father. And on top of that, he submitted to his imperfect earthly parents and even Rome. Think about that. God submitting, God in the flesh submitting to humans. Jesus is also the head over the church and everything. But probably the biggest reason male headship in marriage is disdained is because of a disinterest in and an ignorance of the Bible. Uh, People don't know and they don't care about what God says about relationships, marriage, and sex. They don't care. Most people believe whatever they want to believe and whatever allows them to indulge their sinful desires. Get rid of God and who becomes God? You do. So here's a little tip for the strength and joy of your marriage. Don't listen to the culture. Study marriages um, from Scripture. What God says. Do you think when you look at marriages in our culture that our culture is getting marriage right? All right? Listen to God. Study your Bible. Obey God. You can't be a good husband without the Scripture and without the Spirit. Ephesians 5, it settles any debate over male headship. Super clear. But headship is so controversial. So here's more Scripture. Study Genesis 1 through 3. Study Numbers 5, which mentions three times a wife being under her husband's authority. Study the presence of male headship throughout the Old Testament. Ask yourself why the Bible says Adam is responsible for the fall of humanity. Why Romans 5.12 says sin came into the world through one man. If you know the story, that should pique your interest. Consider 1 Corinthians 11.3, which says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Male headship in marriage is linked to headship within the Trinity. We're going through nominations for leading elder right now and deacons as well. One qualification for an elder comes from 1 Timothy 3, and it says he must manage his own household well. The Greek word for manage is proisteme, which means to set over or to put oneself responsibly at the head or lead, even caring for something that's under your direct protection and leadership. So this implies that male headship in marriage. That's what it implies. So we'll get to this next week, 
but what does it imply when God tells women to submit to their own husbands? Husbands, God gave you the role of head or leader, not because you are better, not because you are stronger, not because you are more spiritually mature, but because God wants to communicate something through you about him. Your headship is about God and reflecting what he wants you to reflect. So be careful what you communicate through your headship. Don't lie about God through how you treat your wife. Pastor Doug Wilson wrote this, Husbands are speaking all day, every day, about what Christ thinks of the church. And because such speaking is inescapable, they are either telling the truth or they are lying. No husband has the option of silence. And what he means is this. Every husband is proclaiming something about Jesus by how they treat their wife. If they treat their wives biblically, they tell the truth about Jesus. If they treat their wife sinfully, they lie about Jesus. Either way, their actions say something about Jesus. Pastor Wilson gave some great examples of how husbands can do this. I just think it's so helpful. It's four paragraphs, and I wanted to help you, so let me read this for you. He says this, and unfortunately, while all mistreatment is a lie, more than one lie is possible. For example, what lie is being told by bitter husbands? Paul tells husbands not to be bitter against their wives, but some men think that they have been provoked enough that resentment is their only option. What is the lie? The lie is that Christ has a lousy attitude whenever he is provoked, which we would think must be all the time. Another lie is told by a lustful husband. Some men think that a straying eye is only natural. What is the lie? The lie is that Christ is an adulterer, that he is unfaithful to his bride. Then there is the lie told by limp husbands. Some men provide no leadership for their lives, wives. What is the lie? The lie is that Christ is a loser and a wimp. That this is fairly common in our day is not surprising given the doctrine of Christ that is held by many. Last, proud husbands tell another lie. Some men have contempt for the abilities of women, including their wives and daughters. What is the lie? They are saying that Christ despises his church, making fun of it whenever he gets the chance End quote. Husbands, tell the truth about God through how you treat your dear wife. Love your wife like Jesus does. God has entrusted to you a precious woman that he loves deeply. God has given you the responsibility to care for her like Christ. Male headship is not domineering dictatorship. It's not purposeful passivity. Those types of husbands lie about who Christ is. Male headship in marriage is about loving leadership. Loving leadership. You see, loving leaders sacrifice themselves so that their wives can find their greatest joy and pleasure in Jesus Christ above all things. And loving leadership is not instinctual. It comes through God's grace. It is learned. Guys, we need to learn how to be husbands. We may carry the title because we showed up on the wedding day, but that does not mean that you know what you're doing. Let me encourage you, husband. You can do it with God's help. You can be a great husband. 
But like anything, you need to learn what you're supposed to do and you need to learn how to do it. You need to learn how marriage works. You need to learn how your wife works. Here's a simple way to learn. Three things. Study, watch, imitate. Study, watch, imitate. Study your Bible. You cannot be a great husband if you don't know what's in your Bible and what God is calling you to be as a husband. Watch Christ closely in the Bible and watch closely godly husbands who treat their wives well. Spend time with godly husbands and learn from them. Let them wear off on you, all right? And then imitate what you've studied and seen in Jesus and other godly men. Imitate the most godly men you can find. Husbands, please listen to this. What men are actively challenging you to become the loving leader God has commanded you to be? What men are part of your, of your life doing that for you? What men are keeping you accountable for what God has asked you to be as a husband? Iron sharpens iron. You've heard that before. You know that truth. Who is sharpening you? Invite other men into your life to get close, to help sharpen you. And I promise you, you'll be glad in the end that you did. So let me, let me just summarize what male headship is all about in one sentence, and then I'll flesh that out. It's pretty easy to remember. Here it is. Husband, love your wife just like Jesus does. That's it. Love your wife just like Jesus does. If you do that, you're going to be a great husband. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives As Christ loved the church. So Christ is the model of a husband's love for his wife. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. He he sacrificed himself for her. Leonardo da Vinci is probably the best artist that ever lived. That you could make a great case for that. From the Mona Lisa to the Last Supper to the Vitruvian Man, his work attests to his extraordinary skill. Da Vinci was an assistant to artist Andreo del Verrocchio for around 10 years. And in order to develop his skill, da Vinci spent much time copying, directly copying, Verrocchio's art. You see, copying developed skill, and some would say that Verrocchio's style is reflected in da Vinci's earliest works. Da Vinci said this, the artist ought first to exercise his hand by copying drawings from the hand of a good master. Who are you copying, men? Your dad? Your friends, some guy that hung out in a garage and drank beer and worked on cars and paid attention to you, there's a reason why budding artists don't spend their time copying artwork from a kindergartner. We need to copy the master husband, Jesus Christ. The best husbands are the best apprentices under the best husband, Jesus Christ. So I want to flesh that out. Here are nine things. Nine simple things that will help you love your wife like Jesus does. Number one, love Jesus way more than you love your wife. Some would say that in order to have a great marriage, you need to put your spouse or your marriage first. Wrong. That's what we call idolatry. Jesus talks about that. You need to put Christ first. 
Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, that if you don't hate your wife, you can't be his disciple. And what he meant by that, which is so just thought-provoking, what he meant by that is that your love for him must be so much more than the love you have for your wife that the love that you have for your wife looks like hatred in comparison to your love for Christ. So the way to really, really love your wives, husbands, is to love Christ way more than her. All right, number two, give yourself up for your wife. Give yourself up for your wife. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and what? Gave himself up for her. Well, how did he do that? He left the magnificence of heaven, came to a sinful and hostile world, right into enemy territory, And he died to save his wife, the church. Jesus sacrificed himself for the eternal joy of his bride. Now, men, let's get real here for a moment. You might take a bullet for your wife. You might. But would you put her before yourself every day? That sacrifice. If the bullet comes, absolutely jump in its way and take it for your wife. But until that happens, serve your wife every day. And I want you to think, what could you start doing right now in your life today that would communicate to your wife this? I will lay down my life for you. What can you do to communicate that? Okay? Don't do what the other guys do. Do what Christ does. Do what Christ did. Be like Jesus. Number three, help your wife become more holy. This is such a huge, huge point. Your primary role as husband is to help your wife become more holy like Jesus. That's what he's calling you to do. That's why he gave you that role. Look at verses 26 and 27. It says this, that he might sanctify her, let's talk about Jesus and what he does for the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ died to make his bride holy, to sanctify her or to set her apart for holy purposes, to cleanse her or to make her spiritually clean, to rid her of any spot or any wrinkle or moral stains or disunity, Christ gave his life to make his bride holy and blameless before God. That's love. Husband, your job is to encourage and inspire the spiritual growth of your wife. Here are simple few simple ideas that might help you do that. Number one, be an example to your wife of love and devotion to Jesus and holiness. Show her. Number two, ask your wife about her holiness. Ask her. And, and then ask her, how can I encourage your greater holiness? Number three, saturate your marriage with the Bible and prayer. Read it together. Discuss it together. Quote it Husband, make sure that the Bible is central to your marriage and make sure you pray together. Christina and I enjoy a lot of uh, discussions and conversations centering around the gospel and God's word playing out in our lives. Do it. Number four, worship with your wife together at home with your kids and on Sunday mornings. You lead 
worship. Five, this is tough, but listen close. Tenderly and kindly confront your wife's sin. Encourage her in her battle. Help her apply the gospel to her life and always forgive her. I want to be the man in Christina's life that most encourages her to be like Jesus Christ. I don't want another guy doing that. That's for me to do. I want to be that man in her. So I have to be this kind of man because Christina is that kind of lady. And so I want to love her by having a high standard. And man, I just want to say, we can do this. We can be this for our wives. In a lot of ways, you got to get over yourself and your hang-ups, and you got to mature and be a man. And when you do that, there is so much that you can do to just lead your wife and to show Christ to her. But you need to be passionate about Christ first. You need to be passionate about living a holy life. You are a leader. How are you leading her? Where are you leading her? You are either leading your wife toward Christ or you are leading your wife away from Christ. You're in one of those two camps. Think about that. Number four, with God's word, encourage your wife to see herself like Jesus sees her. I love this point. How did Jesus cleanse his bride? Verse 26 says, by the washing of water with the word. Now, this might be talking about baptism, but the truth of God's word is definitely in view in this passage. Jesus washes his bride clean and pure through his truth through the word, God's holy word. We must encourage our wives from the Bible. Our words should be so saturated with scripture that she's just drawing from us encouragement. So guys, you need to know the Bible. How seriously are you taking the Bible in your life and in your marriage? It's got to saturate your entire life. Know the word, follow the spirit, to be spirit-led to give encouragement to your wife. If your wife is a Christian then husband, your job is to help her see herself through the gospel, to view herself as the gospel sees her. Help her see that because she has received by grace through faith the imputed righteousness of Christ, she is therefore, get this, in Christ she is sanctified, she is cleansed, she is splendid, she is without spot or wrinkle, she is holy, and she is without blemish in God's eyes. Tell her the gospel. You need to see her as God sees her, and you need to help her see herself as God sees her through Christ. Husband, listen, your wife is going to get discouraged in her Christian walk, and she needs you to help her to apply the gospel to her life. So don't be the husband that shows up and has nothing biblical to say. Don't be that guy. That's a terrible place to be in. Say the gospel. Point her to Christ. Remind her of the promises of God that he gives in his word. Too many Christians' husbands, they sit there and they have very little to say because they simply don't know God's word and they're not taking it seriously. And their wife is like crying out, can you just help me along the way? Now, if your wife is not a Christian, brother, you better be sharing the gospel with your wife. That's on you. In great hopes that God may someday 
have a breakthrough in her heart and save her from her sin and eternal destruction. That's on you, bro. Non-Christian or Christian, you hate your wife if you remain silent about Jesus. You show active hatred towards her. Be a husband equipped with the truth of God's word so you can be helpful to your precious wife. Number five, your wife belongs to Jesus. And your responsibility is to prepare her for him. Did you get that? Verse 27 says, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. If your wife is a Christian, she ultimately belongs to Christ, not you. She is not ultimately yours. She is the bride of Christ along with you. You are also, Christian man, the bride of Christ. He will come for you. He will come for her. And until he does, it is your job to prepare your wife to meet her eternal husband. You must ready her for the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Is she ready? Are you stepping up your game to prepare her? Think about on on a wedding day all that a bride does to get ready. It can be sickening sometimes. I mean, they do everything. Every little thing, and they cover it, and then they get stressed out about it. But Christina was a champ, wasn't stressed. We enjoyed our wedding day. It was awesome. But a, but a, a bride usually just has so much to do on the wedding day. The groom is coming for his bride. How are you preparing your wife to meet Jesus? Are you making absolutely sure that she is pure and beautiful and ready for when he comes? He's coming. And for a time, Jesus has given you leadership over this precious woman. Don't be the husband that neglects the spiritual beauty of your wife. Because Jesus doesn't want his bride to be neglected and he won't tolerate it. Men, by God's grace and the Spirit's help, you can prepare your wife to meet Jesus. What a divine responsibility. What a divine privilege. Number six, you are one flesh with your wife, so love her like you love yourself. Verse 31 quotes Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become, what is it? One flesh. You are one flesh with your wife. And with that in mind, look at verse 28. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Then jump down to verse 33, which says, Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Men, you love yourself a lot. You do way more than you think you do. Love your wife with the same intensity that you love yourself. As you love your wife, you love yourself because you are one flesh with her. Does that make sense? So it's in your best interest, husband, to love your wife. It's best for you. All right, verse 29 says, husbands should love their wives. It's the Greek word ophelo, meaning a debt that you owe someone. I find this very interesting. One Greek dictionary said, to be under obligation to make a payment as the result of having previously received something of value. 
That's great. God gave you, men, something of incredible value called your wife. She is precious, and you are under an obligation to pay to her your love, Christ-like love. You're obligated. You have to, and it is your joy and privilege to do so. She, think about it this way. Your wife is entitled to your Christ-like love. She's entitled to it. Give her your selflessness. She is valuable. God gave you headship for that reason, to show love, to reflect Christ to your wife. Number seven, nourish your wife. The word nourish means to feed or provide what is sufficient for life and growth, and it's often used as caring for children. Now, that's not to say that the wife is like a child and you need to dote on your wife and talk to her in demeaning ways like she's a little kid. That's not what he's getting at. I think what he's getting at is you need to to provide for her. You need to protect her, and you need to give her what she needs to thrive. And I believe that that means the husband works hard to provide the necessities, I think that's what it means. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So men, don't be lazy. Provide for your wife materially. Make sure she has the necessities. But nourishing is so much more than that. It's also spiritual nourishment. That's the most important. Just be for her what she needs to thrive in Christ. Number eight. Cherish your wife. To cherish, this is great, is to impart warmth and tenderness. Tenderly care for. You cherish your wife when you hold her and treat her as a precious gift. Again, Jesus is our model here. He cherishes his bride, the church. Every single Christian man and woman is tenderly cared for by Christ. He cherishes you, believer. He cherishes you. You are precious to him. So husbands, it is your responsibility to regularly treat your wife with tender and affectionate care. The strongest men are gentle men. You get that? They are kind and their wives know that they are valued. Colossians 3.19 says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. That means don't do things that foster bitterness uh, in your wife's heart and spirit. Don't do that kind of stuff. First Peter 3, 7 is so good. Listen to this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And, and I think so many men will just go, weaker vessel. She's weak. Mm. Mm. Watch yourself. Weaker vessel does not refer to the mind or the will or maturity or capability. It means that God has made men and women differently. The physique of a woman is on average weaker and more delicate than men. It's God's word and it's science. I read that, quote, across dozens of sports, women's world speed records consistently fall 10% short of men's records, end quote. But you see, that has absolutely nothing to do with their value and competency in life. It just means she is weaker and she's valuable and you should honor her as the weaker vessel. 
There is a reason why a porcelain vase is put up on a stand to display its beauty and purpose. There's a reason for that. You admire it. And that's not to say we just admire women for the way that they look. It's to say that they're delicate, they're valuable, they're beautiful, and that they display the brilliant creativity of their maker. She's valuable, so treat her as a weaker vessel that should receive honor. Husbands, do not be rough with your wife. Value her. Cherish her. Honor her. Number nine, love your wife so faithfully and extravagantly that others see Jesus in your love for your wife. You've got to get this point. Verse 32 shows that marriage is all about Jesus. Love your wife so that Jesus will be magnified through your love. Marriage is simply a momentary allegory. So the point of a husband's love for his wife is to showcase a greater love that's out there, and that's Jesus Christ's love for his church. Men, don't underestimate the power and influence of your Christ-like love in in the life of your wife and your kids and your friends. More than any other relationship, you should radiate the love of Jesus for your wife. Listen, guys, I know that this is a lot to take in. I know some of you, no, you know what, let's be more honest, all of us are struggling in this area. We can all improve. Some of you really need to kick it in gear because you've been neglecting your wife for years. Some of you are doing great, but you need to look to Christ and say, I can do so much more for her. And so this is a lot to take in when we consider what we need to do. It's hard work. It's not going to be easy to do this. Every day it is a challenge. It's tough. In fact, you know what? Let me encourage you. It's impossible. You won't do it. You will fail every single day unless you walk by the Spirit and you don't gratify the desires of your flesh. You need the Spirit of Christ in you to live this, to be this kind of of husband. You simply need God's amazing grace. Every day, God's grace sustains you, man. Every day, God's grace gives you what you need to be the husband you need to be, man. Now, trust Christ. Look to Christ and be the husband God wants you to be. Grow, mature, improve, change. God's grace is power. And so, husband, love your wife, just like Jesus does. Let's pray. Father, I just want to pray for the woman who is sitting out there that's really discouraged because her husband for years has not really been great. God, would you encourage her? And I pray with all I got that your spirit would work in her husband and show little glimpses of hope that he's walking with Jesus a little closer, that he's working really hard to pay attention to his own heart and to walk in holiness. Give her some gifts of her husband's holiness and passion for Christ. I want to pray for the woman who has a great husband, um, that she would uh, have hope that he could be even greater in Christ 
And may she be thankful that she sees the gospel at work in her husband's life. God, I pray for the, the wife who, whose husband, she might not even be sure if he's a Christian. And I pray that, God, your grace would so grip him and change him that she would just end up praising you and glorifying you because her husband's showing change and wants to know Christ and live for him. Would you encourage that woman? God, I pray for all of us husbands. We're all falling short. We all could look at a bunch of things from our lives and say, that's ugly. So God, help us not to go from here being beat down because that would just mean we're not believing and we don't have faith in you. Help us to go here really encouraged that your grace is at work in our lives, that your spirit is at work in our lives, that you will give us exactly what we need to be the husband we need to be. And I pray that the men of Jerusalem church would take a stand on your word, would love their wives just like Jesus does, and would show the world through their love for the wife that Jesus is supreme, that Jesus reigns, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is loving, that Jesus is tender, that Jesus is the ultimate husband, that Jesus is beautiful, that Jesus is gracious, that Jesus is patient, that Jesus is forgiving. God, make our men like Jesus here and help them not to beat on themselves and to look at their sin and to stare at it and say, I'll never dig myself out of this hole. Help them to look at the sufficiency and supremacy of Christ in the gospel that will change them and turn them into the man that they need to be. Just give them humility, give them repentance, give them faith, all for your glory, God, and the joy of their wives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.